Hello, and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews with makers of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. Today's guest is Sarah of Ugly Duckly, Ugly Duckling House. Sarah is the creator, author, and voice of Ugly Duckling House. She started blogging in 2010 with a few crazy stories about what she found as she was renovating her home. The press-on fingernails she found in the fridge still give her chills. She went from your typical nine to six software job to a full career that is never the same and reaches millions of people each year. For many years, Sarah was a single chick in the power tool aisle. Life kept going, and now she shares her DIY adventures alongside her partner, Kyle, who is often referred to as Kay on the site, their dogs, Stella and Charlie, and their son, Ellis, in Atlanta, Georgia. It was my pleasure to get to have Sarah as a guest for the podcast. Um, We have been friends for a while and followed each other for a while, um, and recently just got to kind of play catch up in Atlanta for WorkbenchCon back in February. So it was good though to have her on the podcast and get to talk shop and learn a little bit more about um, the story of where she, how she got to where she is now and something exciting things that are coming up in the future. Um, Before hopping into my conversation with Sarah, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So first, the two um, sponsors uh, who are sponsor level patrons, and that is Matthew from Artigiano Serio and Bonnie from Toolmom, Bonnie, toolmomstore.com. Thank you both for being sponsors of the podcast. And thank you to the rest of the patrons as well. So thank you, Candice at CJ Woodgrain, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support helping to produce the podcast every week. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to help support it, please, please, please stick around to the end of the episode and I will share with you all the ways that you can provide that support. So let's hop on into my conversation with Sarah of Ugly Duckling House. Well, Sarah, I always like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. Would you do that for me? Sure. Um, I'm Sarah and I blog at a place called Ugly Duckling House. And so like the name implies, it's about if you've ever read the the children's book, it's about turning something that was considered unattractive into something beautiful. And um, I mostly blog about the progress of those things. So I try and teach lessons to mainly beginners on how to get started with DIY Uh, tools and tricks I like to use, various different projects that I think are beginner to intermediate. I tend to not ever do anything advanced. I don't consider myself an advanced woodworker or an advanced home remodeler. I do not have a contractor's license. So I try and do accessible DIY projects that are cosmetic, make your home look better, make you feel better when you're in it. 
And um, I also try and teach home repair, which is unique to the maker world. Mm -hmm. I don't think that a lot of people do a lot of home repair tutorials. Um, so I try and include that as much as possible in my ugly duckling house progress so that if you've ever wanted to do that side of things, you feel educated and well-equipped and know about what in, what's involved with safety, what's involved with knowing such as before you dig in your yard, who you have to call mm -hmm. things like that. So, um, just to make a homeowner feel more empowered to be confident about the DIYs that they're doing, because a lot of times that's the biggest hurdle that a lot of beginners face. Mm -hmm. I would, I would agree. I would say like, I don't think, I think you're correct. And, and like in the DIY blog space, I don't think that there's a lot of people tackling like home repair. Mm -hmm. The only person that comes to mind, and I wouldn't even say that she's doing home repair, but the only person that comes to mind and, and she's also a general contractor would be uh, Brittany of Pretty Handy Girl. Like, yep, she's a bestie. Yep. <laughs> yeah, back in back a few years ago. See, I've I also wanted to brag a little bit that I am now, as of the first of this month, I am now in my thirteenth year of oh, blogging wow. and creating. Congrats! So I, started, I started blogging April Fool's Day. <laughs> 2010. <laughs> so I've officially completed 12 whole laps and now I'm on my 13th. So um, I'm really excited about that because there's a lot of, there's some old school bloggers that still exist. And a lot of us have not necessarily continued because mm -hmm. as, as you well know, every year there's like a new social media thing that has to get tackled every year. Brands want to change their focus on what social media they're going to sponsor mm -hmm. and it's a lot to keep up with. So, you know, some folks have fizzled out. Some folks have found new callings and new passions and expanded to other avenues that are profitable for them. So more power to them, whatever you choose to do mm -hmm. in this creator world, it's never the same. And that's actually one of the reasons why I continue to do it. Um, I love writing, not so much love video. Like I, I do video because I feel I'm compelled to do it at this point. I feel like it's an obligation that kind of have you have to, to play the game type thing. Not even, not even game wise though. Yes. There's a part of that. I mean, like, you know, if you want a successful business, you have to keep up yeah. and video content is, is supreme now, mm -hmm. but I think that it's also just because it allows me to reach a new audience that needs the a more visual um because photographs aren't going to cut it yeah. for them with certain instructions so i find that it's reaching a new different subset of people that want to watch video mm -hmm. and i'm i'm all about that i mean if i can reach you where you're at then then let's do that like i'd like to have you join instead of trying to put up any barriers to learning like oh you can only learn through a written medium are you um, putting the videos on your on your blog? I'm putting them both on blog and YouTube. And I'm trying really hard to grow YouTube simply because I feel like my total subscriber and, and following is all scattered. So mm -hmm. I have like a large following on this platform and a small following on this other platform. And I try and get them all around the same numbers so that I can try and, you know, have that as a, as a rounded portfolio, as opposed to like, oh my gosh, I'm huge on Pinterest. And then suddenly the Pinterest audience audience shifts and then right. there goes your whole business. Like it's, right. it's not possible to keep up well by doing. I mean, I mean, that's what they say, right. About the, I guess the 
quote unquote dangers of having your business live on platforms that you don't own. Yep. Is that if it were to just poof, go away, like there goes your business. I've always thought that I've always agreed with that sentiment. It's the reason why I keep my blog going. Why and try and I, why I try and have my hub be the blog. Everything else on top of that is icing on the cake, but my blog, my subscribers, the core of what I try and teach is all found in that one place. So even if you only get a piece of it, like let's say you only follow me on Instagram and you see a very quick video of something that you want to know more about, typically you go to my blog, you can find the lengthier tutorial, you can find a longer length video, or you can find the link to the YouTube cut, um, which is usually longer and has a greater detail of instructions. So I try and reach out on those mediums because I know that people are there and people are interested in those platforms. But at the end of the day, I always try and bring them back to the blog because that's where that's where the longest instruction is, the most detailed stuff. So if you want to link to something, go to go to uglyducklinghouse.com every single time. Like I'm going to di- try and direct you to uglyducklinghouse.com simply because it's way easier for me to keep up with stuff that way. Yeah. And and I mean I applaud you. Like I like I have a blog section on my website and I was doing kind of like the written, like I had some written blogs along with, I think I've always done, like I've always had my projects on social media, like Instagram and, and YouTube. And then, and then I would create the blog from like what I had created kind of in the social media world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I commend you because that's not something that it's like, that's not my first, I don't know, like my strong suit. It's just not my strong suit. So going to the written is hard, you know? So now when COVID hit, to be honest, I was just like, nope, I'm taking something off my plate and that is it. <laughs> like, I'm not doing no, I think that that's where, I think that's where the community is strongest because some folks are great at video. Some folks are great at the written format. I love the storytelling aspect of blogging. Mm-hmm. I love being able to tell a very personal story when I want to and provide detailed instruction when I want to. I love being able to connect my audience through a written manner. Um, and not everybody does, but the people who crave that written content, mm-hmm. they need somewhere to go to. So yep. it's not just video. It's not just Instagram. You're not going to get everything you need probably from one medium if you're really trying to dive deep. And I'm still there, still trying to write that written content. And for me, that's where I feel like I have a strong, Mm -hmm. you know, strong background. I used to write technical documentation as a profession um, in customer service. And so I used to have to take screenshots and provide step-by-step instructions. So moving into the blog world where I'm teaching that, but home improvement stuff was an easier transition than it was Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. Cause I was already so used to writing that kind of detailed instructional type format. And for other folks, they love cinematography. They love creating video. They love getting really cool shots. I mean, if you watch my YouTube, I am not about like finding the coolest shot. I'm not suddenly trying to employ both a drone camera and and a GoPro. (laughs) And I'm pretty much like I have my phone and I put it on a stationary tripod and whatever it captures is the detailed tutorial. Like, <laughs> but you know, that may not appeal to everybody. And that's cool. Right. 
because there's somebody out there who's taking amazing cinematography and they're turning it into a tutorial. They may be covering a different subject than I do. So you'll have to kind of figure out, you know, what. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, I think that's the strength of the community is Mm -hmm. like. There's something out there for everyone. Yeah. And I've learned once I got into this space, it's like into the space as content creation Mm -hmm. that I like actually enjoy like stepping back and appreciating the art of how each creator puts their stuff together, whether it is video or blog, like, you know, when you said like cinematography, like there's some amazing, like, I don't even care what the project is. I just want to go watch their video because of how they like do the shots and lay yeah, it out like Mary Lou. She, yeah, I mean, exactly. Her, That's her, her passion. passion. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think that what she's creating is great. It's just that I'm like, I'm never going to be at that level because <laughs> that's not where my passion is, but I see that that's where hers is and you can see it in what she creates mm-hmm. and you can see that kind of stuff all the time in what people create. Like this is where they're having fun. Like when yeah. I, and I think that's where the maker community where we really tend to shine is where we're having fun. You can see it mm-hmm. because that authenticity is so transparent and yep. you can just tell when somebody's just having a blast. Like when you're, when you're carving or when you're dancing and you're sharing your <laughs> dancing videos, you're, you're in your moment, you're in your, you're in your element. And mm-hmm. that's what makes it fun. Like I don't dance on Instagram <laughs> or TikTok or anything. That is not my thing. Cause sure. I love dancing when I'm DIYing. I love cranking up the music. Especially yeah. if I'm, if I'm doing drywall, there's nothing else to do. So right. I'm up the eighties tunes and I'm, I'm going to town, but I'm not really recording that because <laughs> I don't really want people to necessarily, I get enough comments about my body on social media. I do not need them to also make comments about how I dance. Um, that's what that's the, 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 it was, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, like I peeked my, my wife works from home too. And so I peeked my head in and I was like, don't come out to the garage. I'm, I'm going to be filming like a dance video for t- uh, Instagram. And she's like, why can't I watch you dance? Yeah. You know, I was like, she's like, you post it for everybody to see. And I was like, but that's different. It is different. <laughs> like, it's it's different, different than somebody standing there watching <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, in, it's incredibly different. It's like when I try and record like my YouTube intro or whatever, yeah. and I'm talking to the camera, as long as I am alone and there's not an eyeball yes. on me, I can feel more relaxed. But if there are eyeballs staring at me while I'm recording, I will flub every single yes. line. <laughs> like it's just, it, it gets in my head and yep. I'd like to be better than that. I'd like to be better at public speaking. And when people are watching me record, but I'm not there yet. Yep. I'm mean, working at it, but I'm not there right now. Um, but I have the same issue too with my partner. He um, he doesn't realize that I'm recording most of the time because I'm recording all over the house, you know, like I'm yeah. recording in the yeah. kitchen or in the bedroom. Right. Um, so it's not necessarily his fault, but at this point we've been together for so many years. You should just know That's- the camera's on. <laughs> That's a, my, my wife yeah. does do that. Mostly my stuff. I try to, you know, I'm either here in my podcast space, if I'm Mm -hmm. just doing talking, you know, stories or whatever, or I'm in the garage, but even like in the garage, she just knows now she opens the door. She's like, you're recording, right? I'm like, yes. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, wide wide berth around what I'm doing. Don't like (laughs) middle of the shot. I, 
I wish that we're just, I mean, it's, it's so second nature to me. Like if it's, it's one of those things I like, if I have a paintbrush, if I have any tool in my hand whatsoever, just right. assume there's a camera on, Yes. you know, <laughs> at this point, um, you know, more times than not, like more times than not, just, just bank on there being a camera. Yes. Sometimes there won't be, and you're just being careful for no reason, but let's just err on the side yes. of caution yes. and just there's a camera somewhere yes. and that inevitably for some reason you are now standing in front of it. I don't know how you do that yes. <laughs> every time. Every time he walks in the room, he starts asking me a question. I'm like, you know, the camera's right behind you, right? Like that's the best angle to see me from. That's where the camera's at. <laughs> Happens every time. But um, he's also a huge help. You know, I started DIYing and I had originally, you know, 12 years ago when I started blogging, I was doing a lot of this stuff, but I also had a live-in boyfriend who helped me like install my floors and he helped me with a couple of things, but he had a full-time job. And so did I at the time that wasn't content creation. And then we broke up like less than a year later and he moved out. So the majority of my early blogging career was alone. Like I was, Mm -hmm. I was not finding a lot of peers because every person I met at conferences, at, at anything that involved DIYers, they were all married people like married with children. And I felt very alone in, in that regard. Cause I was like, where are all the single women, yeah. you know, owning their own homes and <laughs> butt and remodeling. Right. And it was really few and far between that. I found people who were really tackling this on their own. Like they would, their spouses would be the person who's picking up the power tool and doing the heavy cuts. And then they do the cosmetic stuff on the other side. And, you know, that's great for a partnership, but I didn't find a lot of, I didn't find a lot of people like myself in the beginning. Um, there's a lot more of that now, but yeah. in the beginning, there was, though, there was, were you that. hanging out when you're talking like conferences? Is it cause you were in a, is it cause you were in a blogging space more than a maker space? If that makes sense. Today's episode is sponsored by Athena Outfitters. Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that sells everything a badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics. They curate the toughest essentials made to help you perform every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code MM, as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. I didn't actually discover the whole maker concept Mm -hmm. or maker community concept until just a few years ago. Okay. I didn't know that that existed because back in the day when 
I first started blogging, what I knew about like um, the social media realms didn't exist. So Pinterest didn't exist. Instagram, all of those things did not exist. So um, where I was reaching out to people was through my blog and the other bloggers I found that that was the very first year, a couple of years after I started was the very first year of Haven. And I wasn't originally going to go to that conference because I thought, "Hmm, I'm not big enough. I'm not going to know anybody there. It was a friend who forced me to go. Like she was kind of like, I'm coming to Atlanta. This conference is in Atlanta. You live there. So we are meeting up for the first time. (laughs) We're going to have fun. So I went and I actually found more community. I met Brittany there. Mm -hmm. I mean, she and I have been blogging and talking and, you know, communicating on blogs and commenting on each other's stuff for a long time before that. And then another, another DIYer named Sandra from Sawdust Girl, you might, you might know of her too. So the three of us were, were having a good time right in the beginning. Um, And the two of them got their contractor's licenses. So they kind of blew me out of the water with like their, their (laughs) level immediately went bigger than mine, but it was, um, it was really eye-opening to get into that community and realize that there aren't a whole lot of people like me and to understand that when there aren't a whole lot of people like you, there's an incredible amount of value with that because you can find people who need to feel recognized like, oh, I'm another single DIYer who's now doing this by myself. Show me how to do some of these things. Like, how do you do it when you can't quite lift as much as... Like when you're only five, two and a hundred pounds, like yeah. what do you, what do you, how do you, how do you physically do the yes. work? Yeah. Um, so some of that was, was a learning curve at the beginning, especially because I did not have a secondary helping hand. So that meant that everything I created, the blogs, the, the photography, the editing, the, yep. you know, no wonder I didn't start with video until a few years later, but um, once once my partner and I got together and he moved in, things changed a little bit because we started expanding to do more and more projects. Like now that I had an actual helping hand, I could think bigger and I could, I mean, and then we decided to start working on the camper project. The, for those that don't know, I'm working on a 1946 Spartan Manor restoration. And so it's like a, it's almost like an Airstream, but Mm -hmm. it's not, it's, you know, it's an aluminum sided uh, camper. It's curved. It's got these amazing, it's got this amazing body look to it. Um, but it's made by a company that no longer makes these kinds of things, unlike an Airstream. So right. trying to find some of these pieces is, is a, is an interesting challenge. And I'm actually thinking of creative ways, like using resin, for example, to try and make my own taillights that yeah. look more period <laughs> authentic, which I had to, you know, I had to Google, is that street legal? Can we yes. do it? <laughs> um, so there's a lot of specific things like that, that you wind up learning only because you are now faced with a new challenge of, of that particular piece of content. You know, it, it's different than, you know, say getting, getting an actual education and all these yes. things you were learning project by project rather than getting an encompassing bundle of education. You're, you're kind of learning painting techniques because you're painting, you're learning how to use this particular power tool because it's now brand new to you. That's not to say that that's not valuable, but at the same time, you have lots of gaps that you are un that is just simply unknown of where your education needs to be filled in. And so over the years, thanks to the rest of the maker community, you can fill in those little empty pockets of information that Mm -hmm. we're always missing. And that's one of the things I love about maker community is that 
somebody teaches me a brand new trick that I've never seen before. And I'm like, yes, of course, that's genius. Right. It's amazing. (laughs) It's something that every carpenter has always used. And it's just something that's never been on my radar before. And I love that. I love that sudden discovery, that light bulb moment. And they happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. Like just looking at your carvings versus the stuff I tried to create initially. And I was like, oh yeah, of course you can do that. Why couldn't you do that? Of course you can. <laughs> so um, it, it, that kind of stuff is just amazing to me is that you can always fill in the gaps by watching somebody else do their, do what they're passionate about. Like it's yes. so cool. Yeah, absolutely. When did you get a go full time with content? Oh, my road to content creation was a little interesting. Um, so I was working full time. I decided to go back to school to get my MBA. And so I was in school for two years in addition to working full time and then still trying to run the blog. And the blog was kind of taking off. And so it was a challenge every day just to keep all three things functioning. Luckily, I, you know, luckily I was single, had no, had no kids. Right. Like I was, <laughs> that was the only time that that, it, that could have happened. But um, right after I got my, right after I finished and graduated, uh, a startup contacted me and they wanted me to work for them. And I was sick and tired of working in like the big company world. Mm -hmm. I was kind of drowning in sameness of Mm -hmm. just every day. It was always the same. I knew that I wasn't going to, the company that I was working for, I was working for a small company that once again got bought out. So I was basically starting over because that's Mm -hmm. what happens when you get bought out half the time. So I wasn't willing to spend another few years trying to crawl up that same ladder again and fail again. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened to me once before. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to work for a startup. I'm going to see what that is. I'm going to see if I can really turn that into something. And so I started working for them and like, yeah, that only lasted like maybe nine months. Okay. Startups are, startups are risky. Yes. They're always risky. And I wanted that challenge. I wanted to see if I could for my own sake. And I just didn't like the vibe just wasn't what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. rather than pick up all my things and the intention was that I was going to like sell my house and move to be working for the startup. I changed my mind about that, started working for myself and I started doing it quietly. Like I didn't want to announce it, mm-hmm. you know, on my blog, like, Hey, now I'm working full time. Isn't this amazing? like everybody else does, like people make huge, huge announcements of that when they transition. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I kept quiet about it. Cause I was already kind of feeling like I had egg on my face by telling my audience, Hey, I'm picking up everything and I'm going to move. And I'm going to start to work for the startup. I felt like another announcement that felt huge and suddenly jarring was just not, it just didn't feel right. So I never told anybody that I went full-time. I just started going full-time and seeing how it was working out. And then I felt like I kind of missed the boat of having a big fun congratulations announcement <laughs> and all that. Um, you should so that do some big like, like balloon drop when you hit just not share. years or something. Yeah. So, so now I try and share like, Hey, I've been doing this for 12 years. Yay. Because <laughs> um, some people are just kind of like, so wait, are you going to move? And I'm like, wait, you missed, you missed that blog post. That was, that was six years ago. <laughs> um, but you know, um, not everybody's journey is the same with all this kind of stuff. And I chose a different path and I enjoy the challenge of it. So far it's worked out. I try and not take any of that for granted. Like, I don't think that necessarily I'm going to have the same job tomorrow. So 
as long as I still have this, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm very, you get to ride a little bit of the benefit. Um, I feel like those in the community that are in the DIY space, like during COVID, you got like took some cash to the bank during that time. Cause uh, I feel like all of that was taking off with everyone being home. Yeah. I mean, I had just had a baby. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was newly pregnant and having a baby and stuff. So my riding the wave was mostly, you know, it, it happened, but not to the degree that it did to a lot of other people. Cause I took a lot of time away rather than creating new content and trying to ride, trying to ride that high. I just kind of went, no, that'll still be there. I'm, (laughs) I need to sleep and I need to, I had a really rough pregnancy too. So I just did not capitalize on that the way that other people might've and more power to them. I mean, Brittany, she wrote this post about how to create a really great, well-fitting mask. And that was insane for her. Like she crashed her site so many times because of the amount of traffic she got. Like that was just nuts. But I mean, everybody did wind up benefiting from from that, um, who was a, already an established content yeah. creator. Yeah. Cause I, I found that I got a lot of traffic to stuff like my home gardening stuff, mm-hmm. um, stuff that I had already created from years back already yeah. wound up getting a surge of traffic. So there was definitely some advertising revenue that, that came in because of that. Yeah. My, was- uh, my YouTube went down to like almost nothing, um, during COVID. And I think it's just because like, I don't create content that's DIY. Like I don't, I don't do instructional stuff. That was actually my, my struggle getting into the content creation side of it versus like mm-hmm. making and selling, mm-hmm. which I still do that as well. But um, it was because I couldn't, everything I was seeing was all of this like tutorial type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's like, that's not what I, that's not what I do. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to make a plan on how to do a sculpted table because it's going to come out different for all kinds of different reasons. So like, I'm not going to do that. It was really hard to, I think it was listening to um, Brad um, and John Malecki on, and they were doing the podcast and they said like, you have to choose. Are you doing like, are you teaching? Are you entertaining? Are you like, and I was like, oh, okay. Like trying to wrap my mind around, like sometimes people will come over just because they enjoy watching you make. Like you said, if you're excited while you're doing it, like that, that's half the battle because that shines through and people like to watch that. Yep. Even um, when it's tedious work. Yep. <laughs> So I think that was, that was always a struggle for me. And that really hit home during COVID, um, like the hardcore COVID part, because I just didn't have that DIY tutorial content for people to consume. Yeah. But you still wound up founding. I mean, I'm seeing you succeed. So from my, from my perspective, (laughs) I've seen you succeed. So, I mean, I know that you found your audience. Like it was clear to me that you did. Um, but yeah, you do have to make those choices and you can always pivot at any given point of time, especially because, I mean, for you, for example, you've been creating and carving, and then you created an actual class on how to learn carving. And so, you know, there can always be those elements of it. Um, they don't have to be your bread and butter. They don't have to be the core of what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then sometimes things take off in a different direction that you never thought you'd actually be successful at. So, I mean, for me, for example, um, one thing that kept my blog going when I've been, you know, recovering from a rough pregnancy and early motherhood, all of the stress and exhaustion that I haven't been able to do as much content as I've, I've wanted to. In fact, I actually have a backlog that, um, of video content in particular of mm-hmm. episodes for Ruby that, I, or Ruby's revival, the, the camper project I've got backlog content for Christmas content. Like I've got a whole series of Christmas DIYs that just never made it to YouTube because I haven't had time to edit. Um, so with all of that going on, you know, you can, you can always pivot later and kind of go, okay, that's no longer where I want to be. I want to, I want to try something else. I started um, actually on a whim created a cross stitch on my mm-hmm. blog of kind of, cause my grandmother used to do it. She taught me how, mm-hmm. and I picked it up again as just a side hobby. And I created a tutorial about how I converted an image into a cross stitch pattern. And so I gave that out to free for free to my audience. And that got so much interest spontaneously that I started going, Hmm, maybe I'll do another one. So I created another cross stitch pattern and, um, And then I just kind of got enough attention on that, that I started releasing them every month, Um, you know, a new free pattern, you know, Mm -hmm. just depends on what the theme is. I just wanted to do a new one. And now I have a whole separate audience that comes to my blog just for, for and that's taken off enough now that I'm actually launching a secondary website for a membership program for cross stitch fanatics. So what I want to do is I want to create cross stitch patterns that are different that are, you know, yeah. new and modern and, you know, not yeah. your grandmother's cross stitch. Um, <laughs> you need to call pattern. it that, not your grandmother's cross stitch. That's it's actually name. on, it's actually on the website. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, you know, so neon signs is one yeah. of the series that I'm creating. I'm creating ones that look like old school tattoos and pinup girls and um, modern floral patterns and, you know, house plants and mm-hmm. all sorts of different fun things that I haven't seen a whole lot of pattern making for. And then if that's successful, I actually have a whole game plan on what that website's going to turn into down the road if that first chunk of it works out. So I'm actually kind of excited that who knows, I may not be doing just DIY forever. I may be managing a whole secondary type of content creation and making which is amazing to me that that's still under the umbrella of yeah. the maker community. Right. <laughs> um, because even though it's fiber arts, it's making something with your hands. Yeah. And there are maker artists that blend both woodworking and fiber arts. And that kind of stuff is really cool. So um, I'm really excited because I never really thought that I'd be launching a secondary website. And now it's a whole plan that I'm trying to launch. I'm trying to set a date for it so that I can launch within like three months, which you've launched something before, you know, how much work yes. that takes. So, um, yeah. Whereas I just stay on schedule, I'm not great about staying on a schedule anymore because now that I work for myself, nobody holds me to that schedule, but me. Right. And that's really bad because I can just blow it off for a day, a week, a month. Right. And never come back to it. As you say, I just, I'm kind of in the infancy stage of something somewhat similar when I started as Freeman furnishings, like the intent was always to 
the content that I would be sharing would be just like the pieces I'm making that are, you know, for sale. Um, mm -hmm. And it's totally changed once I like just embrace the community. It's much more about like sharing my process and creating content around like all of that kind of stuff. And it's no real, no longer really about like the design side of things and like I'm designing pieces for sale. So I'm like, okay, I need to come up with a new name and like create a whole new social platform that's now just going to be like my designs, my furniture design and those pieces and like creating lines and stuff. Um, but it, they can't live together. So I'm like in the infancy stages of like, okay, what am I going to call it? What's it going to be? What's it going to look like? All of that. Yeah. Kind of Coming up with the name of something new is so hard nowadays because dot-coms are really hard to find. <laughs> been taken already. Um, I did a, I did actually quite a lot of brainstorming to come up with the new name. And once I found it, I was like, it was a light bulb moment where I'm like, yes, this is the name. This is so cool. Um, so I've been keeping that under wraps, even though I want to shout it from the rooftops, because I think it's going to be so awesome once it finally launches. Um, but you know, that's kind of the other thing that's really cool about the maker community from my, from my perspective is that like, eventually it's not just a situation where like, you come up with this great idea. You are shown what you're good at. You're shown yeah. what you're, um, like the maker community eventually kind of pushes you in a different direction that you might not have known about. Um, I never thought, for example, that I would ever want to have my own forge and now, after after going to maker camp last year i specifically came up with a plan when i came home about like okay i can't put one in the city so at my next house that is definitely on the on the um task list or or the wish list is i need something that has enough space where i can have my own forge and it needs to be in a place where i'm not going to disturb my neighbor just across the street right. <laughs> so uh, you know living in the city has its downsides that i can't really you know, hammer metal all night long. Mm -hmm. um, but I never knew that that would be something that I would find really, really fascinating and interesting and want to do. Mm -hmm. And now I really, really, really want to. <laughs> um, had the maker community not been there, I never would have known that that was the thing that I was into. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that there's, there's a side of you that kind of goes, okay, I want to take my business in X, Y direction. And there's, an experimental phase where you kind of play with it and you kind of figure out, okay, this is what people are responding to. And you can choose to follow that path of like, if people are responding to this, I have the choice to double down and, and, and follow where they're mm -hmm. passionate, where, where my audience is clearly responding. Um, you can choose to follow that engagement, or you can choose to go off on your own path and see if there's more engagement elsewhere, but you can actually ask the community to lead you. And it's, fun in that regard because you can continue to play and experiment along the way mm -hmm. um so you have endless choices and endless options it seems like in this community and you have such an incredible opportunity to learn from people who are more experienced than you and even not not in the regard like you know there are people who have been doing this for 20 years and who have right. tremendous carpentry skills to share but then there's also people who just found their passion and then they doubled down in a, in a scenario where you were off playing with something else. And so in the time that I've expanded myself to more needlework or whatever, 
you've gone ahead and taught yourself more about carving than I will probably learn. And I, my first carving was several years ago in that several years, you have become a really like you become you uh, able to share your expertise on carving. Mm-hmm. I could, I could have, I could have become more knowledgeable about carving right. if I wanted to follow that path. And it's not that I don't love carving. Carving is awesome, but I also find six other things awesome. <laughs> right. I can find scroll cells awesome. And that's one of the challenges as a dabbler is that you never become a subject matter expert on, on any particular craft. Um, so, you know, that's- which is really funny that you say that just because like, I would consider myself a dabbler, which is funny because actually, if you go out in my shop, like almost everything is power carving, but, (laughs) (laughs) but still it's like, that's, hmm. I don't think I, even though I know people think of me as one of the people like in the makerspace that, you know, knows a lot about power carving. I'm not saying I don't, I guess I just never, I kind of niched down just because I, I don't, I forced myself to, or maybe the community did, like you said, like, I feel like when I started, I was all over the place. Right. And I still Mm -hmm. can be like, I still love to do resin stuff. And so it's kind of sometimes, and sometimes that stuff just doesn't perform. Like people clearly like to see me power carve, Mm -hmm. but I'm still sometimes going to be like, sometimes I'm still going to be like, too damn bad. I'm doing some resin pours. Like exactly. I want, I want to do something else sometimes. You know? <laughs> hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodwork her on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, And also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout if you enter the code maker mom you will get a 20 percent discount off any of the merchandise that you buy so that's just toolmomstore.com all right let's head back into the action exactly i mean i i quickly i mean it not quickly but i've over time realized that my audience loves to see me wreck shit like i'm not i'm not sure if i can curse you on can. your podcast or not but <laughs> I know for a fact, I mean, based on what gets the most engagement yeah. on my particular, I mean, you know, like, and this is my particular channels, you know, people love to see me who's only five two, wield a giant hammer and start pounding on something. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to give the people what they want. Cause I yeah. love that too. <laughs> I mean, I love wrecking stuff. Yeah. I love I love the wrecking my house and putting it back together. Like that's been on my blog for a long time. Like I love tearing my house apart and putting it back together. That's been one of the taglines I've used mm-hmm. since the, since the beginning of my blog. And it, it only recently occurred to me that is where people are really resonating. Like that's where people really love seeing me do my work is right. when I first wreck the crap out of something <laughs> and then put it back together again. 
Um, it's not just cosmetic, you know, oh, yeah. here's a beautiful molding project. No, no, no. They want to see me wreck something first <laughs> before I do that. And so if it doesn't involve, if it doesn't involve demo, you know, I kind of put it further down on the to-do yes. list. Um, because I know that people won't be as interested mm -hmm. and that's the maker community telling me what they want to see and me listening. That's not necessarily me choosing to do what I want, but at the same time, I mean, there's a good balance there where, mm -hmm. you know, you follow passion projects and that may add to your audience. You know, right. there may be a whole other group of people that love watching you do resin work that you never would have reached before. Or but like I found different platforms too, right? Like, yeah. so like. Instagram really loves my carving. There you go. TikTok, not so much. TikTok loves the resin. So it's like, ee. yeah, <laughs> you know, so there's, and, and that's that, um, that really goes to the heart of like finding people where they are, you yeah. know, the power carving community loves to watch you on Instagram. The resin pouring community loves yeah. to watch you on TikTok. I mean, so you can have lots of choice and everybody who gets into this business will tell you when you're starting out to niche down, niche down, niche down, because that's how you're going to start your growth. Yeah. And that's not bad advice. It's just that for a lot of us, we cannot stay focused like that. <laughs> for a lot of us, our brains simply don't work that way. Mine doesn't. Like I get insanely bored once I'm about 80% complete with a yeah. project. I am so over it and I want to move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I eventually just learned to ride that, you know, much to the, much <laughs> the frustration of people in my household. But I, I've learned that I get more stuff done if, I mean, you know, quote unquote done <laughs> as long as I follow what I'm most passionate about. And yeah, sometimes that leads to a lot of projects undone and that's, that can be frustrating and jarring for people who yes. walk into my house. But, <laughs> you know, when, when you follow what you're really, really passionate about, you become so good at it because you focus. I mean, mm -hmm. like you can get hyper-focused on something and that, that can work out in your favor too. Um, so I don't really necessarily, maybe it's because I've been doing this for so long, but the idea of having just one niche and one thing that I'm constantly sharing, that's great for growing an audience, but it leaves you feeling so trapped at some mm -hmm. point. So allow yourself that freedom to experiment. Even if you don't necessarily share it online, you don't have to share everything you make. Sure but allow yourself the freedom to explore whether or not you're interested in it because you could wind up, you know, giving yourself a whole secondary website for a whole different growth mm -hmm. project like me with cross stitch. Yep. So, um, you know, my initial DIY demo passionate audience, they don't give a rat's ass <laughs> about cross stitch, <laughs> but there are thousands of subscribers who would disagree that, that that's what I'm good at. So, um, you know, there's room for them too. And mm -hmm. the maker community gives you that opportunity to find what you're good at, what your audience loves, what, what you feel passionate about as far as pursuing, supporting that audience. I mean, you can decide that you just aren't interested whatsoever on YouTube. There's a lot of bloggers who just decided, you know what, I never, ever, ever want to create video content. You know, TikTok can decide that that's all that they want. That's not me. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to continue to do what I love. And you get the chance to do that. Like you get to pick something you're good at and stick with it or pick something you're good at and abandon it entirely. <laughs> a lot of us don't necessarily stick to things. 
I actually think that that's one of the things that draws a lot of people to our community is that there's so much experimentation and play involved mm-hmm. that people who cannot stay focused on a given thing, um, they wind up being drawn in. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people I've met in person and, um, and in this community that we all tend to have the same, same weaknesses yeah. with like attention span and, um, just it, when we get hyper-focused on something, we can really get focused yeah. on something. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I, I can't speak to ADHD. I've, I've not been diagnosed. I, I think that I have it, <laughs> but, um, I, I can't say for sure. Cause I've, I've, I've yet to make that appointment. <laughs> Yes, I focus long enough to make the appointment. I've gotten recommendations for it. You know who to call. It's on my to-do list. I have not done it. I think I think you're right though, like the whole like it's a certain mindset. And when you were talking about like if you're learning it on your own, you might have gaps. That's true, versus like a school program. However, I think it gives us more freedom to experiment. Yeah. Because if you go into a school program, it's ten, it, things are tended to be taught as in this is the way you do X, Y, Z. Not like instead of like there's a million different ways probably to connect two boards together. You know, and it just depends on do you like pocket hole screws? Do you like nails and glue? Do you like... Um, all of these different options, but if you go to school, they're going to tell you there's only one way to do it. Yeah, I, I totally, totally um, agree with that. There's, I've, I've learned a lot by watching my son, like how he tinkers and figures out how to do something. You know, he's a toddler, so yeah. he doesn't, he, he tends to just mess with something over and over and over again and try a million different ways. And then suddenly his way works. And so then that that's how he knows how to do something. And it's, it's fascinating to learn something from such a fundamental level of watching him just, just the wheels turning in his brain, figuring out how to do something, how to, how to unlatch the gate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He'll work at it for forever until he figures out how to do it. But you're absolutely right that, that when we don't know how to do it, we will experiment and find new ways and new avenues. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about watching like Tamar from three by three custom, like when she gets her, like when she makes these jigs and she makes Mm -hmm. these, she finds what I would, it would never occur to me to do Mm -hmm. things her way. And it's fascinating to me to watch how she figures out how to make something based on the jigs that she builds. She you know, she's almost working in engineering in reverse. I love (laughs) that her brain works that way. And mine doesn't, but I find it so fascinating that like watching her put these things together, I'm like, that is so brilliant. That's amazing. I know (laughs) you figured out how to do that. Um, and you know, those, those simple like playing card tricks or, you know, how to, how to just a simple, like how to get, equal spacing when you don't want to do the math, like the, the, um, Instagram reel I just recently shared. That was a trick I learned from watching other people in the Instagram community or a tool, a single use tool I never knew about before. Um, those kinds of things are just, they happen so often, like at least, at least every week I'm learning something new. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's either from watching somebody else experiment and, and their failures and what they learned through something or just, I mean, it's just so interesting. It's never the same. And um, that's why I've, I'm, I've, I'm in my 13th year still figuring <laughs> things out, <laughs> you know? And the why I don't consider myself a subject matter expert. I mean, I've been doing this for more than a decade and I still consider myself a beginner. I mean, the knowledge out there is just endless. And I, you have such an opportunity to learn from such amazing makers. Um, people learn giving these tips and tricks and you're like, I never knew to do that. I never knew. <laughs> How did I not know that? Right. <laughs> I'm going to try that in the next project. Um yeah. Yeah. I, I really think that that's, that's something very, very special about the way that we learn our learning process in, in the maker community is yes. not to, like you said, it's not to learn. This is the way mm-hmm. you wind up picking up. There's five different ways of how to do that. Like, for example, if you're trying to get, then that's actually how I'm trying to create some of my tutorials. Like I'm going to have a tutorial coming out with, um, when you're learning how to, you know, paint a straight line. Yeah. There are five different ways that I can name off the top of my head for how to do that. Five. And everybody's going to go, oh, you use painter's tape. Yep. That's one that, you know, use painter's tape and you do this technique with it. Yep. That's one way. There are four others that I can immediately name. And (laughs) now I have to film them all. Right. (laughs) In order to make that video good. So, I mean, I've got one video, I've got one way, two ways recorded. (laughs) I have to work on the other three. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's our superpower as a community is just because experimenting to find a way that works also means that we're okay when it doesn't work. Most of the time. Yeah. There's, there's one pet peeve that I do have um, within, mostly within the commentary that a lot of people do is that because people are so used to the one way, like this is the way that you have to learn how to do something when somebody experiments and fails or when somebody experiments and it, and it succeeds, but it looks different than how they expected it to look. I hate the word just in that situation. Why didn't you just X, Y, Z? (laughs) Because I didn't think to do it that way or because I didn't want to do it that way, or that way seemed harder. And this way seemed interesting or, you know, there's lots of different reasons for why you didn't just X, Y, Z. So I'm going to, I'm going to go on and take it. Like, you know, when you paint a door, for example, I actually have been trying to focus on how to paint a door while it's still on its hinges. It was one of my first successful tutorials that I ever had. And now I'm trying to turn that into a video and include even more tips and tricks and my favorite paintbrushes and all that kind of stuff. But why didn't you just take it off? I mean, and then it's a long list of what you have to do as an alternative. Take it off of the hinges, take it outside, create a, create a painting surface area spray it down, you know, prep it for, yeah. prep for spray and trying not to get it on every tree and rock and everything else you have in your backyard. Then you let it dry and hope, hope that bugs don't get into the surface paint. Then you take it back inside and hope like hell that it goes back on those hinges and isn't wonky. Like once you rehang it, this is an old house. I am 99% sure that if I were to do those steps, <laughs> it would not hang the same. So I don't mess with all that. I just paint it where it is. Yeah. Why didn't you just take, why didn't you just spray it? Because, because I just listed all the reasons why right. I didn't do that. Yes. Spraying is a great option. It's an option if that's what you want to do, but there's a reason I didn't. And it's not a just 
situation. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to make an assumption here, which is something I try not to do. And my assumption is that most of the people who say, why didn't you just, are men. <laughs> yes. Yes. Why didn't you just X, Y, Z? And I get that. See, I get that over on TikTok. So I had a video blow up recently, mainly just because I did something quote unquote wrong, Mm -hmm. according to all of the men in the comment section, Mm -hmm. Um, which is like, I currently don't have a track saw and I don't have a table saw and I needed to cut a very long piece of walnut that was almost eight, eight quarter. So it's almost two inches thick. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to cut a straight line. And I was like, I don't really have a surface that I want to put that on and try to find a straight edge to clamp down that will work. Like I just was, I was like, oh, I'm going to pin nail this like straight edge that I have down and then I can like move it and pin nail it down in place because part of it I didn't need. So that's what I did. I pin nailed it in place and it worked as a straight edge for the circular saw and voila, straight cut. I thought it was like, a great idea to use in the moment compared to all the options I had. Oh no. I was just called like, well, for one, they couldn't tell from the video that I was female. So most of the comments were be a real man and just do a chalk line and cut it straight. <laughs> that was most of the commentary on that video. <laughs> I, yeah, it, there's no shortage of, of gender role assumptions when it comes to woodworking. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, the the community is much more welcoming than it used to be, but um, there's definitely been quite a lot of commentary about things that have nothing to do with Mm -hmm. your actual skill or, (laughs) um, I mean, like you found a way to make it work. Is it straight? Does it, is it, is it, is the board straight? Like, okay, we're good. (laughs) We're good. Moving on. Exactly. That was my thought. Yeah. Uh, Depending on the platform. I mean, it's hard to have a thick skin every single time because Mm -hmm. I mean, like eventually comments do get to you. I mean, they get under my skin. I I do not consider myself a person who has thick skin. If somebody makes a bad, uh, makes a a comment about me, like if I miss, if I misspeak, if I, you know, like even right now I'm sitting here going, okay, I made that ADHD comment about myself earlier. I hope no one hears that and, and thinks that I'm making fun or, or anything like that. Cause I'm, I'm talking about myself. I think right, that I, right. I, you know, those kinds of things where, um, I want to be careful about how I talk about yeah. these things, but at the same time, you know, you never know with, I with know. the community of, of where things are going to go, how people are going to perceive what you're doing as either a great idea or a terrible idea. <laughs> they're going to make comments. They're going to be unsupportive. I will, I will say, um, I like to troll back though. Yes, I sometimes do. It's, sometimes yeah. it's just, it's cathartic to troll back and you kind of go, and, well, and I will I'm, say like, I, I, that way. I didn't realize it was going to be a controversial video until I put it out there and it became a controversial video. Um, and, and those get the most traction. So I started to just, when they would comment, I would like, thanks for your engagement, you know, whatever. Like <laughs> it keeps throwing it to the top. Um, yeah. I had one outtake video that I shared on Instagram that was just me washing the camper. Yeah. And I got so many trolling comments about not using pressure washer, which I addressed about it not being winter. 
like <laughs> arguing with me about whether or not it was winter in the video, because I mentioned that it was winter. People are like, oh, well, we see green trees. And I'm like, imagine bragging about not understanding the concept of evergreen trees, right. but <laughs> we don't need to argue about this kind no. of stuff. I mean, people are like, that's not cold. It's cold where I live. It's, it's, right, it's right. negative 10 degrees today. I'm like, well, good for you. I mean, <laughs> This isn't a competition about no. who can stand the coldest weather. Like, right. <laughs> it's crazy sometimes uh-huh. the stuff that takes off and goes viral. And always sometimes for the wrong reasons. People don't either think that you're lying or people think that I like I have a I have a deck building project where people just go, oh nope, saw a man's hands in that one clip. That means a man built the whole thing and you're just lying about having built the whole thing yourself. And I'm like, it's called having somebody help. Right. <laughs> They picked up the board and handed me a board. Right. Yeah, of course their hands are going to be in the clip. I literally said that my boyfriend helped me do right. this. Whatever, you know. And I know we, you have a hard stop, so I need to like, give you a chance to tell people where to find you again. Uh, well, you can find me at UglyDucklingHouse.com. And on social media, you can find me at UglyDucklingDIY because for a lot of platforms, Ugly Duckling House is too long of a phrase to use as a handle. There so a long time ago, I had to switch to UglyDucklingDIY and it's worked for me ever since. So Instagram, TikTok, I'm on YouTube. Um, my channel on there is Ugly Duckling House. You can see all of my projects for Ruby's Revival so far on that channel because there is a lot of people who love that vintage camper project so i hope you guys follow along and find me awesome and thank you so much sarah for chatting with me today thank you so much for having me on mm-hmm. okay so again that was sarah of ugly duckling house or ugly duckling diy on instagram and tiktok i believe um I'll include the links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes for today's episode. Best places to find that is first check the description in your podcast app. Then if you are watching this episode on the Freeman Furnishings YouTube channel, check the description box down below. And lastly, you can head on over to Freeman Furnishings forward slash podcast and find this episode as well as all the past episodes. Be sure to follow along with us, the podcast over on Instagram at crafting a revolution, no underscore, no spaces, all one word, crafting a revolution. And uh, that is the best place actually to be able to support the podcast. So if you would like to help support the podcast in a monetary way, you have two options. You can support via Patreon and be an ongoing monthly uh supporter, or you could give a one-time donation. Both of those links are right there on Instagram with the link in the bio, again, at Crafting a Revolution on Instagram. And if you would like to help support the podcast in a non-monetary way, please also uh, do that over on Instagram by sharing about it um, in your stories, in your feed, whatever uh, you feel comfortable with, letting people know about the podcast and maybe who some of your favorite guests have been. While you're over there, also come on over and say hi to your guests. You can find me, Katie Freeman, at Freeman Furnishings, and my co-host, Katie Thompson, at Women of Woodworking. Um, Both of us are pretty active on Instagram, so come on over and say hi. Let us know you're loving what we're doing. Always enjoy hearing about that. Uh, This is the only episode for this week. Next week, we will be back with two brand new episodes. In the meantime, as always... Let's go craft a revolution. She
Shit.